Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. How's everybody doing? Yeah? Everybody well? Everybody get out and enjoy that beautiful day yesterday? Around? Welcome to everybody visiting with us. If you're back for a season or the first time, we'd love to connect with you, answer any questions about what's going on in the life of the church. There's a little card in the seat back in front of you. Um, if you want to get on our mailing list, we send out an email each week with all the stuff going on, any information you want. Uh, also, prayer requests. If you have prayer requests, we have a mighty prayer team that uh, would love to pray for anything that you... Um, uh, would let us pray for so you can put that on there and drop that also in the uh, worship through giving box uh, back there um, in the back so um, welcome to you we are in several weeks into this series not just human and we've started this series in second corinthians chapters three through six uh, this morning we'll be in chapter 6, if you want to find your way there in 2 Corinthians. We're going to be in verses, oh yes, yeah, I almost would drink out of it, but uh, um, we uh, will cover verses 1 through 13 this morning in chapter 6, 2 Corinthians. Next week we'll finish up chapter 6 and we'll move on to new, uh, new territory after that in this series. But I hope you'll follow along. There is a Bible underneath the seat in front of each of you. Um, just encourage you to uh, follow along. Something about that paper Bible. Um, so pick that up. You're welcome to use your phone or iPad, but it's just not nearly, you won't hear the Word of God as clearly if you don't use that paper. <laughs> um, <clears throat> awesome. Father, thank you for this morning. And. Uh, Lord, the opportunity to gather in your presence, Lord, on this beautiful day. Father, to the fellowship of believers, the the relational connection, the hope we have in you, your word you've given to us, Lord, an opportunity to worship you, Lord, to bring a sacrifice of praise and to let our hearts open to your glory and your goodness. Lord, to know we have an eternal home with you, Jesus. You're uniting everything on heaven and earth together again, that we may abide with you forever, Lord. Uh, Life is not ending. Actually, we're moving towards life all the time. It's a radical thing to inherit eternal life and to know we have the assurance of our salvation. Lord, we just worship you and pray this morning. That you'd open our hearts wide, God. Teach us about our hearts. Holy Spirit, come in and do your work. Lord, we know your word is living, it's active, it's powerful, sharp than a two-edged sword. It is able to divide the spirit from the soul. Lord, show us this morning, deeply, Lord, how our hearts can be opened. How to discern, Lord, when we are living from your spirit versus when we're living from our own soul, flesh, and self. Illuminate us this morning. Change us. Transform us. Give us ears to hear your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. When was the last time somebody asked you, how is your heart doing? Um, you know, what really bugs me is when, you know, you're just kind of You know, I don't know, you're playing golf or you're skiing or something and somebody just kind of throws that question out. Hey, how's your heart doing? It's like, I think we need a little more time to talk about that than just like a real flippant question, right? Um, 
But it might be a question that you've never really been asked. But it should be some a question that we are regularly engaging in, and even ourselves of, man, how is your heart? How is your heart doing? What is going on inside there? Are you in tune with your heart? How in tune are you with your heart? Do you know what your heart is, by the way? Nice. I like that. That's good. From the mouths of babes. How in tune are you with your heart? section we're going to look at here, Paul and Timothy writing to the Corinthians, pleading with them, church, you are restricted in your affection towards us. Your heart is restricted. Open wide your heart to us. And so I have to ask you this morning, where is the restriction? What's restricting your heart to live from your heart, to, to, to lit the goodness of God and the fullness of life. We were created, folks, in the image of God to live from our heart. And you know, all the way back to Genesis, when we're born into this world, guess what? Remember, we've talked about it. Our heart is shut down. Our spirit is dead to God. And we're, all we can do is live from our soul, our own self. And, and we're desperate for, for life. Um, the scripture tells us, just to do a quick theology of the heart, all the way back to... Uh, to Jeremiah, it says our heart, chapter 17 says, our heart is, is sick, it's desperately wicked. Whoa. Who can understand the heart? Now, that's deep water, isn't it? And if you really knew anything about the heart, if you knew anything about just the human predicament, we would all say, yes, that is true, it's deep water. The heart is sick. It's in desperate need and we, we say it all the time, don't we? Nothing's really changed in the world. Nothing's really changed in your life or my life unless the heart has changed, right? Nothing happens relationally inside a marriage or a parent-child relationship or friendship until the heart is actually changed and reconciled at that level. Uh, and so much of our, our predicament is we're so busy with a thousand things out there, we never get to the core issue of what's the heart issue behind this and look for transformation, look for change, right, at that actual level, right, um, of the heart. And so that's Jeremiah. Um, but then we come to, to uh, Proverbs, right? And Proverbs tells us that, um, man, watch over your heart with diligence, for from it flow what? Springs of life. Watch over your heart with vigilance because, man, right, this is really what determines the state of my life. This is what really uh, determines what I'm becoming, who I am. And then we go to John 7. Here's the good news. What does Jesus say in John 7, verse 37, 38? Last day of the great feast, wakes up and he says, anyone who believes in me according to the scripture, from him, from her, will flow what? Streams from the heart of living water. And folks, it's only Jesus, it's only the gospel is able to open up anybody's heart, is able to solve, make sense of the sickness that is inside all of our hearts. Only the gospel, only Jesus' great love can, can do that um, for us. And so just in line with Paul's exhortation to the church, church, open wide your heart. Live from your heart. And this morning, what is restricting your heart? 
God even says we come back to worship and, and we're coming here. Remember, worship, we're not about singing songs. We're about worship is about coming and laying open. This is why this posture in worship is biblical and commanded. Lift your hands to the Lord versus this. This communicates a closed heart. This communicates my heart is laid bare before you. I worship you, God. I come to you, right, um, with a heart that desires to bring a living sacrifice and to engage you openly. Do, do not, I don't care what tradition you grew up in, but to not be involved in worship, the stoic idea of, no, I'm worshiping God like this. No, you'll find not any of that in the scripture of God. When the presence of God is entered, the whole body, mind, emotion, and will is involved in rejoicing and opening our hearts, not restricting myself because this says something's restricting my freedom to express emotion through my body to God. And this also communicates how I'm going to be restricted in my relationship with other people to be able to get on the heart level um, with people. So, with that said, let's listen to the Word of God. So, uh, chapter 5, so much in there. The powerful, verse 17, Therefore in Christ we're a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. Um, incredible language. And then God has given us, because of the transformation that happened in our heart, we're a new creation. And now our spirit is alive with the Holy Spirit. And it can inform my mind, emotion, and will. moves from the outside, that living waters to flow from the inside out to transform my body even of how I respond to, uh, to people. Um, and uh, you know you might not be a hugger I wasn't a hugger but I'm working on it and that slowly that living water is coming out you know and, and uh, it's just little things like that right um, for the longest time I just ah, I'm just not a hugger that's a cop out folks it means there's some restriction from your past right now you don't have to be just you know super mushy but you know gotta be a hugger Actually, the scripture says a holy kiss, but we'll, uh, we'll deal with that in another day. Um, <clears throat> so, be reconciled. giving given us the ministry of reconciliation because of this new creation. That means this is the powerful working out of the gospel relationally. We're being reconciled to God, then the horizontal now, or to reconcile with one another, right? And then Paul moves into chapter 6. And, and the last verse in chapter 5 is, For our sake He made Him Jesus to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. And then we talked about last week, what does it mean to become the righteous of God? This incredible gift. We have to have that to have fellowship with God. And uh, the powerful reality of that verse is, is that God did not deal with us according to our sin. He dealt with Jesus according to my sin and your sin. Wow. The grace of God and the mercy of God. Never take for granted the gospel. And that's exactly where he goes in chapter 6. Here we go up to verse 13. Working together with him. In other words, Paul and Timothy working with, with the Father. Then we appeal to you, church, not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, and he quotes Isaiah here, in a favorable time, I listened to you, and in a day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. 
And his point here is, is telling people, don't wait. Don't put off tomorrow. Don't, don't ever put off dealing with your heart, dealing with what God is nudging, that nudge, that, that thing, that conviction, that sense of reconciling with others, that sense of moving from your heart. Don't delay. Today is the day of salvation. If God is tugging on you, if you're here, if you're watching online, and you are not sure where you're at with God, and you're here, you're not sure uh, about His love, you're not sure about Jesus, you're not sure about your salvation, you're not sure where you will go the second you breathe your laugh. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to hear His Word and respond. Do not delay. That is over and over in the Scripture. When God comes to you and He moves on your heart, you respond in that moment because it might not be there tomorrow. Today is the day. Respond right appropriately. And Lord, may we respond appropriately right to your word today. Verse 3. Paul says, We put, Corinthians church, we put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. And now Paul gives his resume of being an apostle to the Corinthians to remind them how much he has laid on the line, laid his life down, and served uh, God and served them, right, that they might respond to the Word of God and be blessed by the Word of God. And listen to this. We're servants of God. We commend ourselves in every way by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonment, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger. And now he goes inward. Purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God, and this is my favorite, with weapons of righteousness at the right hand and the left. I mean, what is that? That's awesome, right? And, and uh, uh, there's a little sidetrack, but I mean, the, the righteous, remember, we become the righteousness of God, and because of that, right, you can't have fellowship with a righteous God if you are not deemed righteous, and that comes as a gracious gift to us. But then, because of that, we're to walk in faithfulness and to bring light into darkness, and folks, that's war. And you can see it if you can't see it in the culture today, right? And what? So this idea of weapons of righteousness, the right hand and the left, is that we are always ready to engage darkness with righteousness. And folks, this war. And it takes engagement with the truth of God and understanding the weapons that we have through the power of the Word of God. And, and then he mentioned the Holy Spirit. That actually means the gifts of the Spirit. Paul is saying that he's been operating his ministry. is not just intellectual. He's bringing the power of God through the powerful gifts, right, of the Holy Spirit. Verse 8, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as imposters yet are true, as unknown yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as punished and yet not killed, um, as sorrowful. Remember just before this he was preaching in, in Lystra, they drug him out, stoned him, thought he was dead. The disciples came out and when everybody left, circled around him, prayed him, he pops back up and he walks right back in town, right? I mean, dang, you know, um, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing as poor yet making many rich as having nothing yet possessing everything love that 
We have spoken, and folks, just on the sun, it just keeps hitting me. Look where we live. We live among the top one percenters. I mean, we, we live in, no people have ever lived with the affluence and comforts we do today. No one in the history of the world. But folks, remind yourself, anytime you look at a house or a car or whatever we look at around here, the, you know, uh, and you start thinking, oh, I wish I had that. Check yourself. But Lord, you are my portion. You are my inheritance. Eternal riches. And Jesus said, people, work at being rich towards God. Not rich in the things of the world. Rejoice in the riches you have in God. And know that that is the lasting riches that moth, rust cannot affect any of those things. Be rich right towards Him. This is what Paul's saying. So verse 11, here we go. Um, we have spoken freely to you, church, you Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. In other words, we haven't withheld anything. We are brutally honest from the core of our being. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. Or is your heart, something's restricting the ability to, for you to live from the heart, for you to receive all the fullness of the gospel and the grace of God. And it's impacting you relationally, not just with God, but with each other. In return, I speak to you as children. He says that because he led, he started the church in Corinth. He led these people to Jesus. Widen your hearts, church. Widen your hearts. Widen your hearts. So again, I circle back around. What's restricting your heart this morning? How in tune are you with your heart? How much of the the blessings of God are you living? And is your heart being transformed? Is it living water flowing out? Or is it more, right? And Or maybe you don't even know. Maybe nobody's helped you in discipleship or spiritual formation to get in touch with your heart. Folks, psychology can tell you a little bit about how you're made up. It can do zero to transform you to learn to live from the heart. It's really important. There's only one thing. It's the gospel. It's understanding the power of His name and the power of the Holy Spirit working deeply within us to make this shift where we have such peace and joy. We know God is in here. And we are having, we're opening, as, as you see the prayers of the Psalms, right? Lord, come search me, O God, right? Open wide my heart. And living like this, right? Open-hearted to each other. I can promise right now, even in this room, there are husbands and wives, let me just say, maybe mainly wives, who would love their husbands to learn to live from the heart who are desperate to have a husband who comes to them like this rather than this. Desperate for a husband who's in touch with these emotions and can get in touch with her emotions. I know in this group this morning, right, we have children who are desperate for the heart of their father. And yes, I'm picking on us guys because guess what? We have a harder time with this. Just naturally. So what we're going to do this morning, I've just got a couple questions for us to walk through this. First one is this. Is our heart widening and experiencing the blessings of the gospel? 
Can you say your heart is expanded? Can you speak of the testimony when the Spirit of God... How do I know? How do I know that my heart is widening? How do I know that at the level of... Rather than just an intellect, I've gone to church, I believe what the Word says, I keep it right here. Guys, this is what we're really good at. I know that I've done check. I've been to church. Check. I believe this. Check. I've gone to Bible study. Check. I figured out this theological thing. But I ask you, as the gospel got here, is that that long eighteen inches it talks about from the mind right to the heart? Uh, and how do you know? How do you know? I'm gonna give two things, and these things. Um, I mean, there's lots we could say here. But I'm gonna give two primary things. First is the fruit of the spirit. I cannot say I'm in touch with my heart. I cannot say my heart is expanding unless the fruit of the Spirit is evident and growing in my life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Unless those are growing and increasing in my life, I know nothing of a changed heart. Nothing. Can I say that my love, the love of God is expanding? Not my self-love. Not my ability to love. Not my emotional love. Can I say the love of God is expanding? Can I say, man, in the midst of stress and crazy business, can I say the peace of God? I know the rest of God. Joy. Can I say in the midst of all the anxiety out there today that, man, I, I got the joy of the Lord, man. Life's really tough, but I know the joy of the Lord. I know something of what the, the Scripture says in First Peter, of the unspeakable joy of the Lord. Do you know that? Then your heart is not expanding. Second thing, very practical, for my heart to be expanding, is I ask you this, what is the quality of your relationships? Here's one of the most fundamental blessings of the Gospel. is transformed, deep, high-quality relationships. Do you know that when you come to faith, when God saves you, you're baptized into a new family, the family of God? And do you know one of the primary things we overlook it a lot of times, but one of the primary blessings of being a follower of Jesus is, guess what? You have now new brothers and sisters. Immediate transformation should be a whole new level of deep, quality, healthy relationships. Somebody who claims to be a Christ follower and does not have really good relationships, it's questionable whether they know the Lord. Now, this is really important to understand. What we don't need is people out there shouting praises to God and, and putting on, you know, that they're this kind of believer is the proof of that. A very simple proof is show me the quality of the relationships around you. And if you've been a Christian a long time, do you have lifetime friendships? Folks, this is the blessing of the gospel. He opens up to us a whole new partnership with people. Nothing tightens people's hearts. Nothing binds people together like the Holy Spirit. Open hearts and then open mission and purpose. we got a purpose and that's what the body of Christ is all about. And so how do I know my heart's expanding? I know my heart's expanding, right? If in my life, my friendships are expanding. The quality and health of my relationships are expanding. Now, folks, we live in a culture today, I have to tell you, the, the struggle of relationship is brutal, right? 
And so again, here's let me just tile this together. Is In this last few years where we've had this step back from church and this step back of rejecting the, the command to not forsake gathering together, why is that? What's happened? Isolation has taken over. And guess what? The quality of relationships has plummeted. Isolation, loneliness, I don't have to tell you, anxiety. You know what? 99% of all that stuff disappears when, guess what? You have healthy, strong friends around you that you do life with and that are there who know your heart, who know you. That is what we are made for. And the gospel is what right, restores that, right? And so one of the primary things that should happen, right, when we come to church and we engage is that strengthening of those relationships. And then the ministry of reconciliation show up. Other things should be in our life is that we should be always reconciling. When things go amiss with, with relationships is the gospel should be working on healing those things. Even up to the point, what does he say about our enemies? I command you to love them. Whoa. Even... My enemies, that relationship should change. So two really simple things. And folks, I just ask you, if you're sitting there and you're thinking about this, is um, the key principle, I cannot say that I I am uh, growing with the Lord if there isn't an immediate change in the friendships and relationships in my life. Those go together. They must work together. Otherwise, I'm going to receive the grace of God in vain. In other words, I'll say I believe it. I might show up at church. I might read the Bible all the time. But guess what? It never fleshes out. I never get... And folks, one of the... Probably the greatest joy. Look at Paul even himself. His joy was his relationships. Outside of the joy of the Lord, the expression of that joy was the people he got to do ministry with, the people he got to, to worship with, and among all the, the people he engaged with, that was the joy of his life. And I can tell you right now, in every single one of our deathbeds, when we get, as you get older, you know what? Things will start to fade away. The most important thing is going to be your relationship with your spouse, with your children, with your family, and your friends. Nothing, nothing, is more important than those things. And only the gospel restores, renews, and just starts blessing that. Just starts bringing it alive. If you're a parent and you send your child off to college, you know what? I'm just telling you, it doesn't matter what college they go to. It doesn't matter you know, those kind of things. You know, the most important thing is the community they get connected with. It's going to transform. It's going to form them more than anything else. Anything else is who are their friends. God, provide for them a healthy group of wonderful people who love you. Nothing is more important than that. Okay? Make sense? That's where we start. And I just ask you, maybe you're sitting there, ah, the fruit of the Spirit, I'm struggling in my friendships. It's just a wreck out there, you know? I'm having a hard time, right, making friends. Press in. Open your heart wide to the church body. That's what this is all about. Otherwise, I can promise you stay isolated out there in the world. I can tell you exactly what's going to happen to the quality of your relationships. I can tell you exactly. I've been there. Talk to people all the time. You'll find nothing out there except loneliness, brokenness, fragmentation, and abuse with the world. If you think you can step out there and have a high... Or just pure superficiality. We just gather around sports. 
or wet our skiing or something. And you know what? As life goes on, if you have relationships that are just, you think, oh, this is so great. We have fun. We, if it is only around recreation or doing something, there is a time coming in your life where that will end and so will that quality of that relationship. Just speaking the truth here. All right. Next one. Um, when people see us, does Jesus and his church look good? Yikes! What does Paul say? He says, We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. We're open-hearted to everyone. Now, the way we come into this world, the one way that we know, a simple way that I know if I'm living from my soul and myself versus the power of the Holy Spirit is if I'm able to be consumed by that question. Man, when people see me, do they see Jesus and does His church look good? But what does we normally think? When people see me, what do they think of me? When people see me, what do they think of me? How I look, how I sound. That's what consumes most people. Do you know that? Every bit of our culture is consumed by that issue. When people see me, right? what do they see? Our whole town is built on that premise, folks. Every bit of this town. Prestige, look, looks, go on down the list of things, right? That's living from the flesh. That's living from the soul. That's the old man. That's the old life. That's not the new creation. When the Spirit of God comes in, right, when my heart starts to widen, guess what changes? Is I, I don't care what people think about me. I'm consumed by, man, when they see me, do they see Jesus? Am I a good witness for my Lord? And when they see me, let's go a step further. Is that the way I live, do they have my engagement with people? Does it change how they think about the church? Now, what's the primary way when someone spends time with me? When they get to know me, what do you think the primary thing for me, for them to get a good view of the churches? It's when they see the quality of my relationships. It's when they hear me talk about who I hang out with and what we do. Because they don't have that. In the tough times when I talk about the people I engage, that makes people mad. And all through history, the number one thing that got people to church, right, overall, that made them think was, man, look how those people love each other. Look how those people care for one another. Man, there's, there, there's something on them. There's that joy, there's that love, there's that peace. Man, what? The fruit of the Spirit. Does that make sense? So folks, just, just this alone has had me convicted all week thinking about this. Man! And think about it. So anytime you start to be self-absorbed, worried about what people are thinking about you, you go to the Lord. Lord, I'm your child. Me, I want to represent you here. That's what should consume me. I want to represent you, Lord. And I gotta have an open heart, right, for that to happen. Does that make sense? Right to the core, isn't it? I <laughs> hear this a good one. <clears throat> What's your spiritual resume? We just read Paul's spiritual resume. And I don't know about you, but my spiritual resume, it got nothing like his. Everybody has a resume. And what's the purpose of your resume? To make you look good so somebody will hire you. Right? 
You ever felt flip it around? What about your spiritual resume? Who our, our regular resume is to please man. I want to look good to this company or whatever it is, right? Spiritual resume, I want to look good to God. I want to please Him. And that resume should have purity, knowledge, Holy Spirit, right? And, and really, it, it drills down to the fact of, man, what I, I, my regular resume, I spent a lot of time, effort, and money to get that experience, to get that education, to get all those things to make me look good to get this job. Let's flip it around. What about before God? How much time? How much money have you spent? What have you been willing to do to labor for the kingdom of God? That kind of, what am I willing to sacrifice? Wow. That's convicting, isn't it? At least I'm convicted. Does that make sense, gang? What's your spiritual resume? And this isn't a guilt trip, folks. And don't try to remember, Paul was called to be an apostle. His resume is going to be different. He was told by Jesus he's going to suffer greatly for the kingdom of God. And look at all that list of things, right? But look how he moved from those things into, into character things. Things are really important, right? And so I think as we talk about this open heart thing, we need to uh, really look at that. All right, as we close, turn with me to uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. And we need to nail this question down just a little bit here of how do I widen my heart? How do I do that? Folks, one verse, verse 12, well, actually, and 13. Actually, I'm going to read a couple more. It's just good. All right. For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit. Well, that's the part we're going to focus on, okay? The Word of God pierces the division of your soul, my soul, and our spirit, okay? Let me read on. Pierces the joints and marrow. The discerning, it pierces to discern the thoughts and the intentions of our heart. No creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin, let us then with confidence, folks, Draw near to the throne of grace. Thank the Lord that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Wow. Two things. The Word of God, right? And folks, this is the spoken Word of God, but also the Word of God is bigger than just His written Word. Do you know that, right? There are things you need to be told by God and I need to be told that aren't directly said in the Scripture as long as they don't contradict this, Right? God is speak. He spoke. He's speaking every day, and He wants to speak to His children. That's where prophecy comes from. That's where words of all the, these gifts come from. Right? You're a child. He wants you to have ears to hear what He's saying. Okay. So, just in conclusion, 
And we're going to come back and dive in on some of these. My little diagram again, right? Here at the very middle, our heart, folks, is where our spirit is. It's dead to God when we come to this world. It is not till the Holy Spirit we're saved and the Holy Spirit comes in and awakens our spirit, starts awakening our heart. Out of that place we read in Jeremiah, the heart is sick. It's desperately in need of reviving, right? It is the Spirit of God that does that. Until that happens, and, and through our life, is my soul is this outer part, my mind, emotion, and will. That's our soul. And most of us, we get that down. We know how to live from our soul, from our self, from our flesh, real easily. And even doing good things, right? My mind and, and my emotions, my feelings and my will, decisions I make. We think we're making the right decisions. We're even reading the Bible. And we'll even, we can do things in the soul, right, that um, are not led by the Spirit. So how do I widen my heart? Is I learn, listen carefully to me, I learn the difference between living from my soul, where my mind, emotion, or will are directed by myself versus living from the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. And now my mind is in tune with what God says. My emotions are lining up with the fruit of the Spirit. In my will, decisions I made are being informed by the Holy Spirit and not my soul. And like I said, we're going to dive deeper into that in this series. But that is how we learn to widen our heart, folks. And uh, there's multiple places. I love the end of Luke where the disciples were Jesus and he was speaking to them. He said, well, our heart's not burning. Burning. Man, the Word of God's pierced, as this passage says in Hebrews, right? And it divides my soul and my spirit. When I want to hear the Word of God, it divides it so I know the difference. Oh my gosh, that's by my soul, that's by my flesh, versus it shows me how to hear from God. This is of the Spirit of God. Make sense? It's deep water. Most people, at least I've encountered, we have not taught and discipled each other well enough to discern that difference. That difference makes all the difference in the world. Because to walk and hear a, a, a Christian that's just stumbling, falling, where there's no joy, there's no zeal, there's no burning heart, is because one who is trying, it's simple. Don't need to go through a thousand different you know, things to figure it out. It is because I'm living from my soul still. The Spirit of God is in there, but I've quenched it. I'm still living. My emotions are still bound up by my soul. I haven't allowed the Spirit of God to come and set me free so that the fruit of the Spirit Right, can take over. Same with my thinking. So just in conclusion this morning, I just want to pray for us, folks, and, um, and just open up our hearts wide, right, to um, what's restricting your affection? What's restricting you from opening your heart to people? So Father, we just thank you for your word, and there is a lot there. Holy Spirit, this, this is deep water. I, only you can lead us. Only you, Lord, your word, only your word can pierce that deep into the thoughts and intentions of my heart and divide. And Lord, show me the difference between ah, I'm living from the flesh, I'm living from my soul versus I'm living from your spirit, Lord. So Holy Spirit, come now. Reveal, expose, show us
Oh, and fill us, God. Lord, for your glory. Just take some time. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.